I'm just going to go back to the start. I had reached a point where I was really fed up with where I was at in life. And I wasn't like I had lost that fire. Are you a real estate investor looking to sharpen your skills or a newbie looking to become one? You're in the right place. Welcome to Where Should I Invest? Real Estate Investing in Canada with your host, Sarah Larby. Hey, it's Sarah Larby. Welcome back. You are listening to Where Should I Invest? Thanks for tuning in. I hope that you are looking forward to the end of the year and next year turning a fresh page over and hopefully in 2023 we are further away from the pandemic. I don't know. We'll see what happens, but I'll tell you, don't let these People stop you from getting to your goal, whether there's a pandemic, whether there's a lockdown, keep your head up, keep your head strong. This is definitely a test in mental strength. And I will tell you, we will come out of it and we will be fine. And in the meantime, you know, analyze deals, make offers, move things forward. It definitely was a tougher market in 2022 just because there was no inventory. But at any point in time, that can change. However, I will say that even with low inventory, this was a time to pivot and look at other out-of-the-box opportunities. Uh, myself, I, I personally purchased some land and started in some developments, but there's many other things that you can do as well. And I had a lot of students along the way that purchased some really awesome deals and made things work, even from the birth strategy or buy and hold, and there's still some cash flow. We just had to you know, expand our search a little bit. Today's guest is Doug Myers, who's also a real estate investor and is a former mining engineer and started real estate investing, has done many different strategies along the way, the Burr technique, flipping, some creative financing, and he's got over nine years of experience also investing remotely. So he's got a portfolio of condos and duplexes, triplexes across Western Canada, and is a partner in an active flipping business in Saskatchewan as well. And is the host of the Revenue Podcast, where he also interviews real estate investors. So check that out too, if you're listening to podcasts, which I'm guessing you are because you're listening to this one. But there's also lots of great other podcasts as well. I hope you guys enjoy the show. Please don't forget to leave a rating and review. See you soon. Doug, welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me here. I've got my coffee. I'm ready to roll. Awesome. Yeah, I'm excited. The tables are turned today. You had me on your show and now you are on my show. So I'm excited to uh, get to know you and, and your, in, your you know, investing and your success, your challenges along the way. But if you can tell us a little bit about yourself and, and how you got started in real estate to start. Yeah, my name is Doug Myers. Uh, first and foremost, thanks for having me on the show. I got started in real estate nine, well, eight and a half years ago. I, I turned 30 last week, so I'm, I'm officially an adult you now. You started really young. Wow. I did, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I started when I was 21. I got into it because I was I was lucky enough to be involved in some some companies at a young age where I was hanging around just different people who were having different conversations about money and building wealth. And I really had good role models in my life early on. And looking back was smart enough to not let my ego get in the way of listening to people who were further along in the, in the journey of life uh, at a young age. And real estate was just one of those things that stuck with me. So 
um, yeah, learned some things about, you know, TFSAs, RSPs, our uh, real estate was always the thing that really jumped out for me. And so I made a commitment when I was 19 that when I could get the chance to buy a rental property, that would be the first investment I would make. And fast forward two years from that, I was able to do it. And so that's what started my real estate journey. And since then, it's, it's been a wild ride in some ways, ups and downs and intense periods and, and periods of kind of relaxation. And um, now as it stands currently, we're, we're kind of back into a, a growth phase. So yeah, it's been a good journey. Cool. Amazing. I mean, can I ask, like, was it your parents that originally put the little bug in your ear about, you know, looking at your finances or was it like a, a friend or another adult? Yeah. Um, other adults. Um, okay. My parents were very, you know, they, they were very, um, I guess, example oriented mm-hmm. in some sense. Like it was never, hey, Doug, let's sit down and talk about money. It was more like, uh, passing comments like, Hey, Doug, you could always take over the family business if you wanted. Right. And I, I would never really internalize what that meant in terms of, okay, the, the reason why we have the house we have is because of the family business. Um, uh, the reason why, you know, we, we have some commercial rental property, uh, or at least my, my dad, who's up on the wall over here, uh, <laughs> as I see that, um, at least he had, right. So it was kind of like, in the background, but it was never really front and center talked about. Where it was front and center talked about was at a, at a company that I worked at and we did door-to-door sales. And the people who were in the top van, who were the really good salespeople, we talked about money and we talked about real estate. And this is back in 2009, 2010. And some of the managers and the owner of the company were gonna go down to Arizona at the end of the season and buy foreclosures. Because they're like, yeah, you can buy a place in Phoenix right now for 35 grand. And I was like, 35 grand for a house? Are you kidding me? It just, it made sense that that would like come back in value because they had been worth 400 or something a year before. And uh, yeah, I, d- I just didn't have the money to do it at the time. And so I, like I said, I made that commitment that when I could, I would go and make it happen. Now, knowing what I know today, I would, you know, identify an opportunity and bring some other people in and go do it. But back then, I just didn't know that, that was possible. So okay. awesome. Yeah. Well, we'll dig into that a little bit more. But the listeners, where you know, where are you living and where are you investing? Because where you are living is not always conducive to potentially being able to buy certain deals at certain discounts. That's correct. I currently live in Vancouver, British Columbia. I was born and raised here, but I didn't stay here for my early uh, stages of work. So I became a mining engineer. And with that comes the responsibility of moving and living in, in these different places, right? There's no, uh, there's no gold mines in the middle of downtown Vancouver. And if there were, you'd have a lot of protesters because that's just the nature of uh, where we live. <laughs> um, so yeah, I lived in Williams Lake. I lived in Prince George uh, or nearby Prince George. That's where I bought my first property. I uh, lived in uh, Regina, Saskatchewan. I uh, lived in super small town, Saskatchewan, a little place called Mooseman. Um, for almost two years. And yeah, I I got exposed to a number of these different markets, um, secondary markets, some of them more primary. And as a result, I ended up investing basically everywhere that I moved and lived to. It just made sense. The numbers worked. And so, yeah, I invested, like I said, in Prince George. I own property in Regina, Saskatchewan, Calgary, Alberta. 
and then I own some property down here in the lower mainland. So a couple of condos in Surrey, Langley, and then on Vancouver Island, uh, a little place called Langford, which is just great, greater Victoria area. But yeah. Okay. So you're, you've diversified in a, a few different markets. Was your strategy buy and hold or were you doing any types of conversions or renovations, uh, short-term, long-term? What was your strategy and, and yeah. has it changed to today? Great question. Um, in the beginning, it was all buy and hold because what I had learned from yeah, hanging out with some people and, and reading books was that real estate was the way to build wealth. And mm-hmm. so the first part of my portfolio, the first thing I wanted to do was build wealth with real estate. So my first purchase, uh, a duplex in Prince George, cash flowed a little bit, but it was a wealth play, right? Like I'm going to hold this for five, six years at least, uh, maybe longer, right? Um, next property was a, a pre-construction condo in Surrey. I was actually there this morning. I was doing a little bit of work on it. And um, yeah, like same deal. Uh, I said to my brother, we did a joint venture on that one that, you know, this property I, I think is going to be worth, I think it's going to be worth a lot more than what we're paying for it today in five, 10 years. And it is, it's, it's been the bank for us that's allowed us to go buy other properties. So yeah, for, first things we're, we're always buy and hold cash flow uh, properties as best I could. And then once I got to a point where okay, maybe I, I didn't have the down payment for a place anymore uh, or I couldn't qualify for the mortgage. That's when the strategies got to become a little bit more creative. They still fell into the, the buy and hold category, but generally speaking, it would be uh, buy, renovate, refinance, either uh, immediately or over a period of time uh, and then continue to hold the asset for a long period. So yeah, I've, I've done that. Um, that transitioned into doing flips. And so right now, myself, a couple other partners in Regina, we're involved in uh, doing flips in Regina. And so that's, that's part of my other stream, which is an actual income stream. And so what I did was uh, I built for wealth first, and then I realized, okay, I need some cash today. And so I started doing the flips and investing in flips for cash today. So it's like income for me tomorrow, or sorry, wealth for me tomorrow, income for me today, bring them together. That's what I'm doing in real estate now. That's a really great example though, because you look at all the different strategies, you look at all the investors and in terms of building wealth, for sure, hundred percent agree. It is based on just, you know, long-term waiting it out, letting the mortgage get paid down, letting the appreciation happen, having your tenants turn over the rents increased and so forth. And that I think is, is a great wealth builder and, you know, you're not going to get that from flipping, but you're going to get the quick cash, like you said, from flipping to be able to fund other investments that you can essentially then buy for your long-term wealth creation. And, you know, and it's interesting because you've really done both. So you've done, it sounds like condos for the lift where you can, sounds like you could reuse the equity and, and, you know, the redeploy. And then you've done some that, you know, probably were just buy and hold for cash flow, and, uh, and you live off the income. If you had to pick though, like, obviously you've been doing this, this for eight and a half years, you said, you know, if you had to pick one between, you know, the appreciation play, the cash flow play, like what changed your life in terms of feeling more financially secure? Ooh, that's a great question. The wealth building one, oh, man, that, that's tough. Yeah, it is, you, it is tough, tough, right? It's tough. I'm getting weird feeling in my chest. <laughs> The reason why it's so weird to me is because if you don't have money for today, you can't live the life that you want to live today. 
Mm-hmm. Now, that being said, what I've done in my wealth building side of the portfolio has me feel really secure in knowing what, you know, assuming I make it with, you know, lest I get hit by a box or something or, or you know, life happens. When I'm 50, when I'm 55, if, if I just pay off mortgages, you know, I just, I just ride the, ride the real estate all the way down to the bottom tenants paying off mortgages. I'm set. Like I'm, I'm good for what I need. You know, I'm going to have a multi-million dollar portfolio. I'm going to have cash flow coming in in the five figure range every month. Like it, it's set up and it will run for me. Right. So I feel really good in that, but I don't feel good or I haven't felt as good in today without having some sort of income coming in, right? Like if I didn't do the flips, then I would have to go back and do a job of some kind, right? Because my, my income from my portfolio is not big enough to support the life I want to live, yeah. at least at today's rate. So it's got to be a bit of yeah. both. No, I, I tend to right? agree with you. I mean, it's, it's like you, you want the long-term wealth creation because ultimately I think that is going to be the big game changer, but you have to be able to like survive <laughs> along the way yeah. and live comfortably along yeah. the way to be able to, to wait for that, you know, that big piece at the end uh, or whatnot. So oh. it sounds like you're, you're using, you know, the cash flow piece that you're using, you know, the flipping piece to, to be able to create income. And I think that's just important for people at home that are listening is it can't just be one or the other. You can't just buy something for 50 grand and you know, sure it'll have great cash flow, but in 10 years will still be worth 50 grand if you don't pick the right markets for some appreciation. And you can't do the opposite either, right? You can't buy a very expensive condo where you're losing, you know, or having to pay out of pocket an extra 500 bucks a month for the tenant to live there, because that's not going to sustain you, you know, in the short term. So I think it's just that that balancing act between, you know, cash flow for today and appreciation for tomorrow. Yeah. And that's, that's been one of the really unique things about my portfolio as it is being in the different places that I've invested. Right. Like, you know, take the markets, like, um, you know, for example, this condo in Surrey. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, we, we don't cash flow positive on this place. Right. It's, it's just not kept pace. Right. Our condo fees have gone up like crazy. Our insurance have gone up like crazy, you know, all these things. Right. So, so we're in a position now where, you know, the mortgage term is going to come up and I'm going to have to make a decision around, do we sell this place and put this money somewhere else in another market where the cash flow is better? But I've got to balance that too with saying, okay, well, um, you know, I'm 30 right now. If I can keep this thing here, knowing what's happening in the market, right? Like for context, we bought this condo for 330, which at the time felt like a lot. Meanwhile, today, they're literally building a, uh, the same building, same developer across the street, our same unit sells for 550. Mm. So, you know, we could cash out and put that money to use in another market, like say, you know, in Regina, where I have properties that cash flow five, $600 a month, but they haven't gone up 200 grand in value. So yeah, it's, it's like, which one's right? You, you can't, build an entire portfolio on non-cash flowing condos. That's ridiculous. But you also have to weigh this like massive appreciation against the cash flow for, for mm-hmm. today. So when I talk to people about, okay, well, what's right? Should I invest here or should I invest there? It's never a like black and white answer. It's always a matter of what do you want your real estate to do for you and how does it fit into your lifestyle? Yeah. 
because you can't answer that question. Figuring out where to invest is going to be really difficult. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Hey, everyone. I just wanted to pause and share with you a financing tip that helped me scale my portfolio and can also help you as well. By working with Streetwise Mortgages, I took a strategic goals-based versus a transactional approach to financing, and they've helped me develop a financing roadmap that aligned with my goals and gave me some crystal clear clarity on where the money will come from to grow, how to maximize my borrowing power, how to structure future deals and avoid some costly mistakes, saving me thousands along the way. The financing roadmap is complimentary for every client who works with Streetwise. And also very recently, they've offered an additional summary report of the best to invest 18 Ontario markets and also a comprehensive deep dive research into a market of your choice out of those 18, I highly recommend that you take them up on that offer. If you're looking to grow your portfolio, to book a planning session and develop your financing roadmap, email info at streetwisemortgages.com. That is info at streetwisemortgages.com. Thanks for listening. And now back to the show. And now back to the show. Yeah. And I, and I think gone are the days that you could pick one market and it's going to do both for you continuously and you can stick to one market forever. I think, I think we just don't have enough inventory for that uh, at this point anymore, but I'll, I'll tell you, you know, the, the less cash flow in properties that appreciate more, you'll likely be able to redeploy, you know, those funds a lot faster into new properties that do provide you cash flow. Um, because if you didn't have those ones that boost in terms of appreciation, uh, like you're going to be capped pretty quickly because I think the the name of the game for many, many of us, uh, is to be able to redeploy the cash and, you know, refinance certain properties, redeploy the cash into other assets. Um, and you need to have some lift somewhere. So if you're buying in, you know, cause sometimes like I have the same conversation as you, Doug, like with, with people looking at places in the U S yeah, well, some places in the U S your, your $50,000 house is still going to be worth the exact same thing in, you know, five years and 10 years. Sure. The cash flow is great, but like at some point you're going to be either saving from your job income for the next one, or you need to find something else that, that will has have some lift that you can then use that refinance, use that money. And, uh, and that's essentially how you buy many other properties with, with the equity. Totally. You, you make a great point. I mean, that's, that's exactly what we did with, with this condo. I'm mm-hmm. going to keep using it as an example because it, it is literally this and it is the power of real estate in action. And I'll, like for, for the people out there who are listening to this and you're in your twenties, like I can't describe how powerful this is to be able to do it. I mean, at any age, it's going to be great, but especially when you're young, because now you have some options. You can see what's possible, right? Like I was able to quit a job because of the decisions that I made. Like, and I'm not saying quit your job. Like I'm, I will say in my particular situation, like I really did not like what I did. Okay. Like really did not like it, but it, it allowed me to do some other things, but I still had to make good decisions in order to give myself the mm-hmm. option. And I made those decisions five, six years in advance of when I was like, man, I got to get out of here. But picture this, you're in that situation where you're like, man, I got to get out of here, but I don't have the option because I didn't buy real estate five years ago, or I didn't make an investment in myself or something else five years ago. So now I have to stay here. I'm locked in. I need my job. I need that income in order to support myself, my family, my, my habits, whatever it may be. 
And now, now you're like five years yeah. behind and that hurts. So anyways, that's, that's just an aside. No, I, I mean, that's a, that. that's a great point for sure. Yeah. But to go back to the, the condo in Surrey, right? It's exactly what happened, right? We, we bought it for three thirty. Four years later, upon completion, we had a tenant in there for one year. Uh, we got it refinanced. And at the time, this was 2018, um, got appraised for 450, right? So we've gone up 120 grand in value in four years and we paid down a bit of mortgage over that same period of time. Plus we had a 20% deposit in it, which at the time, you know, was just what you had to do. And I didn't know any better. Um, so yeah, we had a ton of equity in this place, right? And so we were able to take that equity and buy a cash flowing property in Prince George, a market where I knew I could get cash flow and I knew it very well. Like we, we literally bought the property next door to the first property that I owned. I knew exactly what it looked like. I knew exactly what kind of rent I was going to get. Um, it doesn't work in real life that if you own the property next to it, like you do in Monopoly, that rents on both of them rise. That, that, that doesn't really work, but it's still kind of fun. Because yeah. <laughs> you're like, oh man, now, now I got the set. So one of the things um, I would just say, because you mentioned yeah. buying a property next to each other, talk to your lawyer because you, you likely don't want to be closing it in the same corporation or the same name because otherwise the titles can merge. I don't know if it's the same word you're buying, um, but you just got to be careful. So like, for example, like in Ontario, if you buy, you know, number two and you buy number four, you don't want number two to be in the exact same title and you don't want them to merge. So definitely like work with your lawyer before closing. But, you know, one of the things I, I want to go back to that you said is like, you know, you were able to leave your job that you don't like. And I think that first and foremost, congratulations. Like it's always tough to like decide that you're no longer employable and you're just doing this, you know, essentially full time. But I think, I think with that, you need to have some in income, right? So this is not where the equity comes into play. This is where the income comes into play. So you've got to have cash flowing properties to be able to say, I'm comfortable month to month because I've got additional money at the end of the month, or you start flipping, or you just got to do something where it's, it's bringing you short-term active income, like flipping or wholesaling, or you've got to have enough through your rents. Some of them could be short-term, mid-term, long-term, all that good stuff. But that's essentially like, you know, maybe the, the reason that many people can leave uh, from a, from a financing standpoint, uh, or, or, uh, income standpoint versus just having the equity because as, and, and the other thing too, by the way, is as, as soon as you leave your job, refinancing and pulling out that equity becomes a lot more difficult. So you do want to do that beforehand comments, yeah. thoughts on that. Yeah. You hit the nail on the head. Uh, we, I think we talked about this when, when you were on our show, right? Like, cause we were in similar situations. I know you left your job and, and, uh, you know, we were talking about what, what you needed to do to, to get there first off, and then how do you set yourself up? And it's the same thing in my experience, right? Um, you know, once you leave your job, you don't have that income source anymore. So yeah, where is money coming from for today? Like for, for me, it was, okay, how can I develop another stream through real estate, right? So that's where the, the flipping of houses came through, right? I could take some of the money that I had, I could put my money to work on flips, turn them around and create an income stream. Great. Now I'm now I'm good for today, right? Because you can't eat equity, right? And unless you're you know cycling one refinance year after year after year and pulling that money out, you know even at that the the checks might not be big enough for you to live for a year. I'm you know just being hypothetical. But the other thing on that too is you said it right. If if those properties are owned personally, then you think you might think that you can refinance, but I mean, I don't know many people who can refinance without having any 
you know, new application and income verification and all that. So if you don't have that, then how do you expect to pull your equity out? Well, now you've got a new problem. Yeah. And so just knowing that going in is like a hedge against the risk of, you know, this income question for today. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's really what's important for anybody who's trying to leave a job is, you know, take advantage of refinances before you leave, maximize all the access that you can to credit, whether it's personal line of credits, HELOCs, credit cards, all that stuff, try and get your limits raised, you know, and I've got a whole thing. I think I did a whole podcast on it about how you do this in a successive way so that you're not looking like you're, uh, what's the word, uh, hunting for credit because that'll hurt your credit score. Yeah. So it needs to be systematized over a period of time. You can't just be like, boom, I'm going to do this all in one week, right? You got you to gotta, uh, space it out. But it's so, so important to do because, yeah, I mean, once you leave, the, uh, the easy applications and the easy money is, is harder to get. You got to definitely be a lot more creative at this point. Of course you can, you can do like blanket mortgages and you can work with a really good mortgage broker that's, you know, outside the box in terms of the way that they do things. And, um, but your A lender cookie cutter Scotia's or, or all that kind of stuff are going to be really, really tough for sure. So obviously you've, you've been doing this for a little while now, you know, you've, you've had some great success. You've been able to leave your job, but you know, it's not all roses and butterflies. It's not all like, you know, up, uphill it's you know not just the tip of the iceberg or or whatnot what are some things that you can share with us challenges difficulties that you've had along the way maybe some insights for my listeners so that they can uh, you know take a different route if if possible yeah i mean i could get into weeds with stories uh you know actual things that have happened uh but i'm going to choose not to and, and try and make this as general but as impactful as possible is that you know, nothing gained comes without some sort of price to be paid. So the big jump for me happened when I was 26. I joined a real estate uh, education network, if you want to call it that. And I made a commitment to myself that I was going to double my portfolio within a year. And I didn't know how per se I was going to do that. I just, I was committed to doing it, right? So that's the first thing is let's commit first, let's figure out the rest later. I had to go in order to double a portfolio. And this may not sound like a lot for people who've been on your show who have, you know, hundreds and hundreds of properties, but you know, you all start somewhere. So I had three at the time and I wanted to double it to six. And keep in mind that it took me four years to get my first three properties. How am I going to buy three in a year? That's craziness. And so just recognizing that, the way you've done things in the past in order to get to a certain spot is probably not the way that you're going to have to do things to get somewhere else, especially if you're, if you're compressing the timeline like I was. So, you know, the typical thing you save a 20% down payment, qualify for the mortgage yourself, buy a turnkey asset. That's what I've done. That's what I knew. Okay. Well, that's, that's out of the box now because I'm hitting my wall on qualification. I'm running out of down payments. I can't just buy turnkey. Well, so I'm going to have to do some different things, right? And, and what is that going to require of me? Well, since I don't have money and I don't have qualification ability, that's going to require time, energy, knowledge. And those are key parts of the equation because, man, I put in so much work in that year to make that happen. And I did. Like, I, I made it happen. But what else did I miss? Well, I don't want to say miss uh, because that would be the wrong term. 
I had to decide not to build a whole bunch of friendships in the small town that I was living in. I had to forgo uh, taking vacations. I had to be very conscious about where I was spending my time and my money. I had to be very conscious about who I was hanging out with. Because if there was anybody around me who said it wasn't possible or was going to derail me from my goals, I had to push them away. And that's really tough for a lot of people because a lot of people want to be liked. They don't want to reject people. Um, you know, they, they want to feel the, the community. There's so many different things and there's so many distractions that are going to pull you away from those goals. But if you're really committed to something, you, you got to push through that because there are going to be the naysayers. There are going to be the people who say no to you. A lot of them are going to be bankers, right? They're, they're going to be the people that like you want their help and they're not going to be there for you. And you still have to push through because you got to believe on the other side of this, that that, that next thing for you is, is really going to help you become more of whatever it is you want to be. Right. Yeah. And I just, you know, I had to sacrifice as much as I don't like that word because on the other side of that is what, you know, what happens if you don't do it? I would have, I would have been sacrificing my life today by not doing what I did before. And that scared me a hell of a lot more than sacrificing things in the moment for where I am now. And yeah. if that's something that, you know, your the listeners here can take away is, is yeah, like, you know, what do you want it to look like in the future? What are you willing to give up today in order to have something later? Mm -hmm. Short-term sacrifices for a long-term life that not many people can live like. Totally. Absolutely. And I think sometimes we're so short-sighted, right? We just want to get rich quick. We just want to do it quick, you know, and we don't want to put the dedication, the time, we just want it to be simple. But yeah, I mean, I agree with you. Like for, you know, the first four years of doing this uh, and before I left my nine to five, I mean, the hours were insane. I didn't have as much fun as other people because I was going to work and then I was doing real estate and uh, learning and, you know, whatever, like going to meetups, going to, you know, starting the podcast. Like there were a lot of sacrifices, but I, I think you know, it's worth it looking back at it. And I don't remember every single time I missed a dinner with friends or, or whatnot, but it's, uh, it is very temporary. If you want to say like, maybe it takes you four years, maybe it takes you five years, but definitely got to put in the sacrifice, the time. Uh, and, and you've got to know that there is some light at the end of the tunnel, but you've got to, you've got to be going at it hard. You can't just be like, Oh, today I'm going to do it tomorrow. I'm going to not do it. Like it's, it's, there needs to be some consistency to it. And you need to, I think, want it bad enough and have enough passion inside you to like leave your current situation for something better. And it's yeah. going to take years. It doesn't have to take 10 years, but it's going to take, it's going to take longer than a year, most likely. Yeah. And I just, I just want to add to that. Cause I, I know, you know, some people hear that and go, ah, oh, man, I don't want to give up what I have today. Like, okay, great. Like, you know, you don't have to give it up, but you don't have to pay it as much attention, right? Like if you can just reframe that a little bit, you know, like, oh, maybe yeah, I'm not going to just say no to the friends that I currently have. Maybe I'm just going to say yes a little bit less. Okay. That, that's a simple, simple step. Mm -hmm. What else is going to happen though, is like, there are going to be people that see what you're doing and they're going to be very attracted to this new version of you. That was really tough for me at the beginning because 
I was going off and doing something new and nobody wanted to follow along. And then as they saw my consistency, my hard work, my ethic, my determination, all that stuff, you know, two, three years into it, now they're all like, wow, that's interesting. How do I do that? You know, I, and I'm just going to share a quick story around it too. When I was working my job back in, you know, Southeast Saskatchewan, a small town, what I would do, and, and this was during that goal, pay, uh, that goal phase, right? While I was going from three to six. Well, my sixth property was a foreclosure that I bought. And that property required me to renovate it from top to bottom, like cosmetically, right? So flooring, trim, paint, you know, bathrooms, all that stuff. And I'd never done any of that before. So this is all brand new, everything, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm learning as I go. And my weeks for, I mean, what was it? At least six months were work my 10 hour days at work, come home, steady real estate, right? Because I was still learning. I would steady real estate. I would do budgets. I would evaluate deals. I'd have conversations with people. I'd go to bed. I'd wake up. I'd work out. This, this happened four days in a row. Thursday night would come. My shift would end. I would drive straight to Regina, hop into my foreclosure. I would reno it for six, six hours, go to sleep at my girlfriend's place, wake up, go reno for 12 hours, go to sleep, wake up, renovate for eight hours, buy food, drive back to the mine, and then repeat that over and over and over and over again. And I remember one day, you know, I didn't see a whole lot of people, as you can imagine, during this time outside of my girlfriend, who was with me and supported me the whole time, right? And this other guy who I worked with, who we recognized we were kind of on the same wavelength. You know, he owned an apartment building in the Congo. He had a farm in Nigeria, like, yeah, African guy. Um, and he had like a property in Quebec and he had his job here at the mine. I was like, what are you doing here, man? And, and he's like, I'm like you. I have investments in other places. This pays the bills for today, but these are my wealth things for tomorrow. Yes. And that guy, mm-hmm. I don't know, he's probably not listening, but, um, you know, that guy came to visit me in my foreclosure one day, right? I was, I was painting a ceiling and he walks in and I'll never forget this. He walks in, he's like, Doug, you're going to be a rich man one day. <laughs> this is what he says to me. And I'm like, yeah, man, you know what? I appreciate that, say, dude. He's like, you know why you're going to be a rich man? I was like, I don't know. I'm just trying to be like you. You get you a little bit further along. He's like, you're going to be a rich man because you're willing to paint a ceiling on Friday morning on your day off. And most people are just dreading the fact that they got to go back to work on Monday. Mm-hmm. I was like, damn, man. Yeah, I know. It is awesome. So the, you know, I, I guess the other part of it is, could you have delegated that out? And like, there's a couple things I look back at. And like, even though I, like, I know that like, you have to sacrifice some things to be able to live, you know, today or in the future, how you want to live. So you have to sacrifice, you know, the, the, your current situation. I did, I do wish I, I celebrated more, more right. wins along the way. And like, you know, had a little bit more balance if I had to look back, but I had to be, I had to be on the go. I had to be able to get things done because I just had a burning desire and it sounds, you know, the same thing for you. And then, so now, but now that we look back at it and we're on the other side, could we have done some things differently? Absolutely. Could you have hired, like, I think that's awesome that you can paint, but you're probably saying, I'll just delegate that out because now you can work on the business and grow faster than in the business. Are there other things that you've learned if you had to look back along the way that you can share? I've learned so much, uh, man, 
that's the thing I love about getting in the action though, right? Like if you don't, if you don't go and I just, I believe you got to go and do the work at one point. Like you don't have to do it always, but you got to do it at least once. This is just my mentality. I know other people argue me on it, um, but you got to learn it so that you can A, appreciate it, B, know how long it's going to take, C, you know how much it costs, and D, figure out whether or not you should be doing it. And a lot of people can probably tell you those things, right? So I know there's the, the other side of this is going to be like, Doug, you're an idiot. Just, just figure it out from someone else. Okay, cool, right? Um, but I like to know. That's just me, okay? So, yeah, absolutely. The whole renovation that I did on that property, I absolutely could have hired it out. But the thing is, is like, uh, you know, time and energy versus money. Mm -hmm. at, at that time, I didn't have the money to go do the renovation, right? They would, it would have cost a lot more for, for me to hire someone else. You're probably skilled as well. Like I'm, I'm thinking like, if this was me, I am not skilled. Like that house would still be under construction like 10 years later. <laughs> <laughs> so Fair like up. the fact, I guess Fair the up. fact that you have skill, you know, I'm a big, I'm a big delegator. So like re regardless, I'll probably still delegate it out, but I can see your side as well. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really, that's really all it is. But what, what I loved about it was like going through and, and doing that allowed me to see, yeah, how long it takes, how, what it costs and identifying, you know, things to do properly. Mm -hmm. And while I spent a lot of time and energy on that property and to be perfectly honest, like I, I didn't make a profit on that. There were a lot of things that happened with that property. My life situation changed you know, it, it didn't make money. Let me just be frank. But what it did do is it gave me the experience and perspective to then go partner with a guy who loves flipping houses. And now, like, I mean, we're, we're up to our 10th project together. Nice. By the time this airs, we, sh we should be done 10 projects in the past two years. And like, I know when he comes to me with a deal, when we look at a deal, like I, I, I'm with him. I don't have the same experience, but I, I can figure it out. And we can talk shop and, and we can, we know what's going to happen. Like that's, that's powerful knowledge to, to have. Mm -hmm. So while that deal maybe didn't work out as well, and I spent a whole ton of time on it. Now I have the skills from it to go and make profit as long as I want in that same field with people who love to do that kind of work. Yeah, that's no, absolutely. That, that's a great, great way to look at it. And you know, some deals will work out better than others. I mean, you know, especially if you're realizing the sale by flipping and, you know, you, you know what you're making or what you're not making at that point in time. Because sometimes by just holding something that you've made a mistake on, if you're in that position to be able to do that, if that's, you know, a potential exit, it could fix a lot of things, right? It's, it's all about the time in the market. So, but if, if you're flipping, you know, or, or you're, you're doing another strategy that, you know, requires you to get rid of the house at, at some point, then definitely those losses are realized in real time. Mm -hmm. totally. yep. Awesome. Well, I mean, you, you've got, you know, tons of great insights. If there's one thing that you can look back and say, I did, you know, I, I did learn from somebody specific, who would that one person be? If you're like, this is my mentor along the way, or I mean, you know, there, or could it be a podcast that you listen to, a book that you listen to, or some, or uh, that you read, or somebody that kind of like helped you get to where you are today, more maybe more than others? I'm just gonna go back to the start. Like I was, I, I had reached a point where I was really fed up with where I was at in life, and I wasn't like I had lost that fire. Like I really, you know, when I was a kid, I wanted to make the NBA. 
And when I set that goal, like that's a big goal, uh, especially in Canada as a, as a skinny white guy, <laughs> you know, I, I set that goal and I, I went after it like every day, day in, day out, I was fired up for it for uh, like a good seven year period of my life from 13 to 20. Right. I, I went, I went after it. It didn't happen, but I went after it. I'm proud of myself for it. And then from 20 to 25, I just didn't have that fire. Like I didn't, nothing was driving me at the same level. It was really frustrating. Like I did what everybody else told you to do. Hey, go to school. Hey, you're smart in sciences. Maybe you should be an engineer. I'm like, okay, cool. I'll go do that. So I did that and I was just drained. And I just remember sitting there and asking myself, like, is this it? Is this my life? I'm, I'm living in a small town in Saskatchewan and, and I'm making, you know, good money, but like, I'm not engaged in the community here. I'm never going to be a farmer. I'm not going to drink most of Canadian and play hockey on Friday nights. <laughs> like this, this can't be it. And it was in a workshop, a real estate investing workshop where I, like, I was looking for something to do. And I found that you could build a real estate investing business. And I already had a couple properties at that point and it just clicked for me. And the guy who was there, who was running that workshop, you probably know him. His name is Alfonso Quadra. Um, I've had the pleasure of interviewing him on, on my podcast. Mm-hmm. He's been on this podcast as well. Probably been on the, yeah, exactly. Um, and he, uh, you know, he just changed, he, he changed where I was going at that point in life. And, you know, I, I just so deeply appreciate it because there wasn't, I don't think there was any one particular thing he said that weekend that, that stuck out to me other than maybe at the end of it, him just saying, Hey man, here's my email. I think you're going to do great. Like, don't ever be afraid to tell people your goals. You know, if you want to be on the stage in 10 years, tell me, be on the stage in 10 years. If you want to quit your job, quit your job. If you want to double your portfolio in a year, double your portfolio in a year, tell people about it. And from that point on, I just kind of said, Hey, like, you know, here's a guy who's a lot further along than me, who, who believes in me. And I'm sure he believes in a lot of people, but like I felt it that day. And, and that was just the spark, you know, and it, and it lit a fire and that fire came back and that fires continued to burn. Awesome. So yeah, he's, he would be the guy. Uh, so I recommend anybody check him out. He's, he's good stuff. Very cool. Awesome. So Doug, it's time for the lightning round. I'm going to ask you five questions. Everybody gets the same ones. Are you ready to play? I'm ready. White lightning here. (laughs) All right. This week's lightning round is brought to you by Complete Properties. If you need a great property manager to help you in the Niagara, Hamilton, and Burlington markets, reach out to Margaret Cameron at 905-920-7886. She can also be reached at margaret at completepminc.com via email or the website completepropertiesinc.com. Question number one, what is your favorite real estate investing book? Uh, it's Rich Dad Poor Dad. Okay. Question number two, doesn't have to be real estate specific, but do you have a favorite podcast? Yeah, I like Real AF by Andy Frizzella. He's super aggressive in your face, Italian American guy, but he's just real. He tells it how it is. I like that. All right. Awesome. And on the side note, you have your podcast and what is that called? Uh, yeah, my podcast right now is the Revenue with Real Estate podcast. We'll we'll throw that in the show notes for spelling. But uh, yeah, that's my show. 
Amazing. Question number three, what do you do for fun aside from real estate investing? Yeah, this past summer was a ton of beach volleyball. So I, uh, yeah, my girlfriend played volleyball for years and yeah, I learned, I learned to play beach volleyball this summer. It was awesome. I like the DJ and uh, personal development, honestly, <laughs> it's fun for me. Okay, awesome. Question number four, if you lost all of your money and your assets tomorrow, how would you start again? I would probably, I would actually go work for my dad's old company. I would, I would barge my way through the doors. I'm already in communication with the guy. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I just use my voice. Honestly, no one can take away my voice. No one can take away what I've learned. And, you know, give me one, two years. I'll be, I'll be back and rolling again. All right. Awesome. And last question. If somebody has $50,000, they want to get started. How would you recommend they spend their money? Mm, I feel like a lot of people might say go invest in a property. I would, I would pay for some coaching, some mentorship, and some education in an area that you actually want to learn. That's what I would do. The investment in yourself is going to return multiples that I don't think any other investment will because, you know, if you multiply not only year one, but a lifetime of knowledge, the ROI on, on educating yourself and investing in yourself is, is higher than any other investment. So yeah, I would put that into you, as crazy as that might sound. Amazing. All right. That was our lightning round, Doug. Thank you for playing. Where can my listeners reach out and find out more? Yeah. If um, people are interested in learning more about me, learning more about revenue, um, that's our real estate education company. We help people who are basically just kind of starting out in real estate or wanting to go from say one to three properties to actually building a business. You can find us online, www.revenue.com. Uh, my podcast, Revenue with Real Estate, uh, email will be Doug at revenue.com. We'll include all the uh, spelling and stuff in the show notes for you, but that's where you can find me. I'll be rocking and rolling there. Amazing. Doug, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It was a pleasure having you on. You're very welcome. Thanks so much, Sarah. Hey guys, before you go, I wanted to ask you a question. What's stopping you from starting or growing your own real estate investment portfolio? I know for me, before I started, I had plenty of reasons and at the time they all seemed very valid, but as I started my journey, these reasons slowly fell away and eventually only one reason remained. What was actually stopping me was having a proven, actionable, repeatable system. I didn't have that. And the way that was going to change was by investing in myself, learning, listening, and looking for ways that worked. And also, most importantly, discovering what didn't and not making those mistakes again. Fast forward to today, I now have a proven, repeatable series of action steps that has enabled me to build my seven-figure portfolio consisting of multiple homes, and I'm able to manage that in two to three hours a month. Is that something that you would want? Well, I've actually taken all the knowledge I've accumulated and put that into a comprehensive step-by-step -step online program. It's called Rise, and it's a program that will help you from where you are now to where you want to be faster and with less of the headaches that I had. So it consists of all the templates and the resources that I use, plus over 40 instructional videos that you get lifetime access to for just a small one-time investment. And, you know, my recommendation is to make the time now to invest in yourself and grow your portfolio to seven figures so that you can bring your retirement dreams closer. If you want some more information about Rise, just go to sarahlarby.com forward slash R-I-S-E to access more details and book your spot. Thanks so much for listening to Where Should I Invest with your host, Sarah Larby. Make sure to listen in next time. We'll catch you on the next episode of Where Should I Invest.